your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. Wendell Batson, a pretty significant crouch from the left side. He swings and bounces it back the mound off the bare hand of Kelly, and it'll be Seeger getting it and firing it on to first. Kelly looks like he's all right. And the Dodgers behind a great performance from Clayton Kershaw, another home run from Cody Bellinger, and then they pour it on in the middle innings, and they win game one, eight to three. I've got a question for you, Jamie. Is it possible for a player late in his career to completely change the narrative surrounding his career? And the reason why I ask that, of course, is because of what we saw last night from Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw was fantastic. And I want to get to some sound from Jessica Mendoza here in just a second because she was able to put it in terms that I couldn't otherwise put it in. She watched that game last night and she broke down not only how good Clayton Kershaw was, but how historic that performance was in that type of a game. Here's Jessica Mendoza last night talking about Clayton Kershaw's performance. The swing and miss that he had, 38 swings on his pitches, 19 of them misses. 50% swing and miss has never happened in the history of the game to have a start, have a 50% swing and miss. He's never had it in the history of his career. Just shows you what he did after that first inning to keep those raised batters from off the bases and from scoring any kind of runs. Jessica Mendoza broke it down perfectly he was on top of his game that was the best that we've seen Clayton Kershaw in any playoff game and in terms of swing and miss stuff the best that we've seen Clayton Kershaw full stop and so the reason why I'm asking this Jamie is because if you ask anybody hey what is Clayton Kershaw's legacy it's one of the best regular season pitchers we've ever seen certainly of this generation But the playoff choking, that's going to be what he's remembered for maybe more than anything else. And for a great player, maybe unfair. If they win this World Series, if that performance was the catalyst for them ultimately getting there, can he change this narrative that has surrounded him for his entire career, Jamie? Absolutely. I mean, look at other sports where you've got older players towards the end of their career that finally win a Super Bowl or that finally win the Stanley Cup. Heck, Ray Bork took 20 years and then he left Boston and went to Colorado to win a Stanley Cup because the narrative was he couldn't bring a Stanley Cup to Boston. You look at Alexander Ovechkin in recent history. Now he's three quarters of the way through his career, but the knock was he can't get past Sidney Crosby and they can't win the big games and they can't win the Cup. Guess what? He won the Cup. The narrative has changed. Now he's a champion. So I think that in Clayton Kershaw's case, absolutely. 
Nobody, it's amazing how winning erases certain things. And I loved yesterday, the fast lane had Jim Edmonds on again. And every time he's on, he gives you nuggets, right? And yesterday he talked about Clayton Kershaw and how he actually expected him to have a really good game because the Rays don't see him very often. And he also then went into detail about how he's really only got three pitches Mm -hmm. and he throws them a lot, right? Well, he did that last night, but the Rays, because it was their first crack at him this season, is way, and a lot of them haven't seen a lot of Clayton Kershaw. It worked. And so his performance was epic last night. Was it a combination of all the above? Yeah, probably. Did he elevate himself a little bit? Yeah, probably. He's looking at this right now going, I can almost taste the champagne. Like heck if I'm going to give this up again. Well, and he avoided the Kershaw breakdown, right? Like he gives up that home run and they zoomed in on Kershaw's face. And he did the look to the sky like, are you blanking kidding me? Here it comes. But he got through it. And it's what I mentioned to you guys last week. Like, if I'm the Dodgers, I get him out of harm's way before it comes to him. And they did that. They took him out after six innings. And they gave him run support, though. That's something they have failed to do in the past. They gave him Mookie Betts. Well, yeah. That was the difference. That's a good bet, too. Yeah, I mean, he... It really is that simple sometimes. What did he have this time that he hasn't had in the past? And Mookie Betts behind him, and he had Mookie Betts at the plate when he wasn't on the mound. Like, it was that simple. Um, You you brought up a few examples, Jamie, of guys that have done this. It reminds me in some ways of John Elway. John Elway, 0-3 in the Super Bowl early in his career, was known as a guy that in the regular season, if he was down by four or five points late in the game, you wanted no part of seeing him coming the other direction in that last minute, right? He was going to score. It's kind of like Russell Wilson nowadays. If Russell Wilson gets that ball back with a minute, two minutes to go, and he's down by four, well, congratulations, you just lost the game. Even though he's the one that's down, you just lost the game. That was John Elway in the prime of his career. But then finally, at the very end, he gets those two. He gets those two rings at the end, and that is ultimately what supports his case as one of the best quarterbacks we've seen. Kershaw could have something very similar. It wouldn't be a surprise to any of us in this room if the Dodgers, this isn't their last World Series, they've still got some more in them moving forward. If Kershaw wins this year, and let's say he wins one or two, I think he can reverse this. I think he can. We can look back on him the way we do with John Elway in the NFL, and maybe he's not the best pitcher ever, but this black mark, this scarlet letter on his resume will look a little less significant if at the end he's able to put together some big performances like he did last night. We got a great text here, by the way. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Please jump in the show anytime you want. Uh, and it's it's actually very accurate. It says that, uh, you know, Kershaw, if, if he wins, he goes from being Dan Marino to Peyton Manning to where at the end of his career or later on in his career, he gets those championships. Dan Marino is another one that I forgot on the uh, when we started the segment, never got a Super Bowl, was one of the best players ever in the NFL. So, yeah, it, it's accurate If uh, from the 5-1-2. If, he, if Kershaw wins, he goes from Marino to Peyton Manning. It's interesting how it works, too, because I'm just thinking of a hockey comparison. Alex Ovechkin. I mean, Ovechkin is... What did you guys just say this? <laughs> Come on. Come on. For those listening... It's a great comparison. Come Alex, on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I missed it. No, I don't even want to anymore. This no. might be your moment. No, no, no. <laughs> That's it. For those listening, Alex is always busy getting everything That's ready, it. the audio, and That's making it. sure. And so, yeah, he drifts from time to time. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was incredible. No, I think you were going to make a really good point, Alex. Going to. You, okay. No, you should give yourself that opportunity now. 65780 is the Air Comfort line to get involved in the show. I do. That is a fair comparison, Jamie, the Marino to Manning. I think the the better one, in my opinion, though, is probably Marino to Elway. Because Elway was the guy that was in the same generation, too, well, as so Marino. Manning, though. He couldn't get over the hump. But he got it earlier. He did win yeah, more. Yeah. Manning's first one, what, what was that, 08-ish? I guess it would be more there. comparable to Manning's win with Denver, Ron. Yeah, yeah. If he hadn't already yeah, had yeah. that win early in his okay, career, BK, that would be the comparison. So you I would probably it. go Marino to Elway would be the comp there. But the, the point remains, right? You, you get one late, and it kind of it washes away the stench of some of the earlier failures. And so all we remember later on, like when we're looking back at Clayton Kershaw's career, it's not going to be, oh, look at how we imploded every time he got to the postseason. It's, I'll finish his career with two or three rings, had those really big-time performances in the World Series late in his career, and was one of the greatest regular season (laughs) pitchers that we've seen. Like, he can still, he has time to still be able to change some of the narratives to surround him. Speaking of changing the narrative, if what we saw last night continues from the Rays side of things, there's going to be a shift in the narrative on that side, too. And, Jamie, this is what we mentioned coming into this series. The Rays have now had eight or fewer hits in each of their last 10 games. Let me say that one more time. Eight or fewer hits in each of their last 10 games. It is the longest streak ever within a single postseason. The only longer streak spanning different postseasons was by the Yankees. 100 years ago in the 1921-1922 World Series. They are... What they are doing in this postseason is almost unprecedented. For them to hit the way that they have, or the lack of hitting, rather, as a team is unbelievable. It shows, first of all, how great their pitching and defense has been. And you said, Jamie, all year, the Cardinals pitching and defense has to be perfect for them to win. Well, the Rays more often than not has been. And the other thing that it shows is just how great Randy Arozarena has been because they're making the most of those eight or fewer hits in each game. Most of them are going over the fence and that's how they're winning. So it's going to be interesting to see if five, maybe six games is what this series ultimately goes and they continue not hitting in it. I think we're going to see a shift in how we look at this Rays team and wonder, okay, is that really the model or did they just have a couple of guys that got hot? Really, more specifically, one guy that got hot in a postseason. Well, I think I think it's the latter. I think it's one guy that got hot because in talking to anybody surrounding that team, all I talk about is the run prevention, good pitching, and they didn't have a bat per se before Randy Rosarena erupted. Mm-hmm. And even when he was there during the season, it was modest. Well, of course, he came off of COVID and all that stuff. But without him, the team doesn't get to where they are, they're at. And so when you take him out of the lineup, they are exactly what we thought they would be. It's just an average team that has to play good defense and get good pitching. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> Similar to those. As soon as Glassnow <laughs> gave up that home run yesterday last night, it's like, up, oh, that's it. It's that's over. A, that's over. Yeah, I mean, you 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 went into the fourth before that home run, thinking, okay, Tampa can make this interesting. You get a pitching duel. This is what it's going to look like. Bomb off a of Ballinger. That's it. It's the same thing that happens with the Cardinals and, in the season. And though. did you see the way they pitched a Rosarena? Like the oh, very first at bat. Like my world stopped at home. We were doing a bunch of projects, and I'm like, no, I got to watch this. My wife's like, you're watching one at bat. I'm like, you have no idea. This at bat is going to tell me all I need to know. And it did. 
It did. They gave him nothing, nothing to hit at. Heck, the Clayton Kershaw was throwing that that curveball into the dirt, I hoping would that he'd swing at it. Do it every time. And they had a guy on first, so they were willing to sacrifice putting another guy on in a Rosarena to get to the guy after him. He's getting the Paul Goldschmidt treatment. That's what he's going to get the rest of this series. It's when you have one guy in your lineup that is going to do all of the damage, and that's the only guy people have to worry about. And now Randy Rosarena is that player for the Rays right now. You're going to get pitched in a different way. And now people are making the adjustment, and it's going to be really interesting to see how Randy Rosarena makes the adjustment back to baseball. We always see this. It happened here with Dylan Carlson. It happened immediately with Dylan Carlson, where they were like, hey, not throwing you any fastballs. Can you hit this off-speed stuff? Just made the adjustment eventually. Now we get to see if Randy Rosarena can do the same thing. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Speaking of Randy Rosarena. The broadcast brought on some more scrutiny to the trade. It's 11-13. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Let's hear what Ken Rosenthal had to say about what John Mosaloc told him was the explanation for why the Cardinals traded Randy Rosarena to the Rays. We'll hear that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. So last night I got a text from Ferrario. I was downstairs doing a couple of things and said, did you guys just hear what Ken Rosenthal said on the broadcast? Oh, yeah. It was probably something you guys had already said, and I just repeated it. No, it was weird because a text came through with that. I'm like, what is this, breaking news? I didn't even know you could tag It was from seven years ago, what I just heard. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually DVRing a game seven years ago. The Blues just re-signed McInnes. Yeah, he was actually talking about game six yeah. in 2011. It was when David Freeze hit the home run. I'm like, did you guys just see this? They got Freeze? This is unbelievable. He told us, we'll see you tomorrow night. It was amazing. It's incredible. So he texted us and I was like, no, what happened? And he gave us some of the details and I went upstairs immediately and I was like, I got to record this. So I recorded the audio. So did you ask Keith first for the remote? Yeah, I will, of course. And I, I thought he was banned. I, I asked him if sure. I could go back a little bit. He's like, wait till the next commercial break. I said, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there we go. All right. Just I'll don't wait. touch the grill. So I, I went up to the TV because I was like, okay, what am I about to hear? So I started recording and what I heard blew my mind. So I want to share that with our listeners who may not have been a Ranger Randy Rosarena at bat right after he actually got out for the first time in the game. And here's what Ken Rosenthal had to say about his conversation with John Mosaloc on why the Cardinals decided to trade the guy that ultimately CSM MVP this year. I spoke with Cardinals GM John Mosaloc about why he traded Randy Rosarena. And he basically said the Cardinals saw a Rosarena. Bader and O'Neill, the two players John mentioned, as sort of comparable. And while the AAA stats might not suggest that, at least his most recent AAA stats, overall they did. And in that trade, the Cardinals did get a top pitching prospect, Matthew Liberatore. He's a number 52 prospect in the game. So they did okay. We don't know about him yet. But right now, Rosarena is not look, making them look good. Somebody in that Cardinal organization told me Liberatore better be Randy Johnson. <laughs> so there's a couple of things to unpack in there let's start with what they said about the comparison and how the comparison that the car were for randy rosarena was they viewed him as being similar to tyler o'neill 
and Harrison Bader. And so they didn't need another guy like that in their outfield since they already had two. He was an expendable piece, and they decided they will flip him for this really great pitching prospect. And no doubt about it, Matthew Libertor is a really good pitching prospect. He's a top 55 prospect in all of baseball. So credit where it's due. They got a really good prospect in return. We'll see what happens with him moving forward, and we'll get to that part of it here in just a minute, Jamie. But let's look at what they were talking about in relu this comparison. They're not totally out of line in the Tyler O'Neill comp. That's what I was thinking. Tyler O'Neill in the minors was really, really good. He was a top 100 prospect at one point. The Cardinals traded for him for a reason. He had incredible power. He's got all of the tools. He's fast as hell. If you asked any evaluator in baseball, they would have told you, hey, this is a guy that has really high potential. His potential is through the roof. We don't know if he'll get there, but the potential for him is really, really, really high. Same thing for Randy Rosarena. You can see all of the tools, and now they've been put together, but he's got the he's got explosiveness. He's got the bat speed. He's got the power. All of it is there. It's a question of whether or not he's going to bring it together. So I can see that one. I'm not going to totally fault them for what they saw there. I thought they were right in giving him an opportunity. Quick question regarding that. Randy Rosarena, his scouting report defensively, is he solid defensively, average? Like, what is the overall on that one? They seem to think that he can be a good defender, but it's He's not, not Bader. He was comparable to O'Neal. Okay, yeah. because O'Neal's a pretty good defender. Yeah. So it, that's why I'm trying to think. Okay, Earlier so, on, there were questions about him defensively, from what I understand. And now it seems like most of those questions have kind of been cleared up. But even like the Rays, are, they'll give him opportunities at DH. So he's not he's not a guy that you're going to put out there and win a gold glove with him or anything. All like right, that. I, just, I just brought it up for the simple fact of if you're using O'Neal as a comparable for this one here, yeah. then maybe you do look at it and go, O'Neal's probably got more upside defensively. And in the National League, where there was no DH at the time, Maybe it made more sense. So where the comparison falls flat is with Harrison Bader. <laughs> no. <laughs> Harrison Bader's OPS after hitting double A in his career. 786, 779, 659, 816, 756, 680. That is not what we saw from Randy Rosarena at any point, at any level. That is not what we saw from Randy Rosarena. So I'm not sure where that comparison is coming from. I don't know how they could view them as being similar players. They don't have similar skill sets. Harrison Bader has more swing and miss than Randy Rosarena does. He does not have the same power that clearly Randy Rosarena does. Even in his hot streaks, he hasn't been the player that Randy has been. So I don't understand that part of this. Maybe when they're you guys, hoping Bader would be like that. Maybe. When well, he was a prospect, I think that's what the outlook was for Harrison Bader. When you heard this last night, what was your reaction? Well, after I almost choked to death, um, I did think right away. I go, you know what? In fairness, I could see Tyler O'Neill. I can see one be- that one because both guys are supposed to have power. Both guys uh, can run really well. At the time, I didn't know what Randy Rosarena was in the field as far as defensively. I do know that Tyler O'Neill is is solid defense and and he's got tremendous speed. So in my head, I'm like, you know what? I can I could justify that move or that comparison right there. When I heard the Bader though, I was like. I, I don't get that. That's like a big miss. That's like you just throw the name in there on purpose to try and validate something. And I, it's not even close. So that one there, that one caught me off guard. And at that point, 
the the whole concept of it or comparing Randy Rosarino to both of those guys, it kind of lost its its weight. Does that make sense? Like I was like, eh, maybe O'Neal, but not Bader. Yeah, after I woke my wife up from sleeping for how loud I was laughing when they said O'Neal and Bader, you kind of even with the O'Neal one though, like the power was there. But the consistency at the plate wasn't there. Like, like O'Neal's batting average was good at the AAA level, but it wasn't Randy A good. Like, Randy A was getting on base, and the strikeout numbers, if I'm not mistaken, were very different. Like, O'Neal was still striking out in the minors, whereas Randy A was making contact. And for me, I always feel like it's a different. And look, I'm no pro baseball scout, but I always feel like it's different with international prospects compared to guys like Tyler O'Neill who come out of college because there's still a little bit of unknown there, right? Like I know they're being scouted, but there's always a little bit of, well, we don't know what he can be until you really give him that shot. And that's the part that I really feel like you can't compare the two. I just, I can't believe that that was the comparison that they went with for him was the, the Harrison Bader one. I, again, I. <laughs> That's the one we're struggling with. He I said O'Neill first, so if that makes a he difference. He did say O'Neill first. <laughs> 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line from the 314. Guys, Bader's minor league numbers were, were still very good, and he was far better defensively. The comp in terms of overall potential was totally fair. I'm. If you're waiting defense that much, then maybe. And there was no power from Bader in the minors. He he had a little bit more than he's shown in the majors, and they, they thought that maybe there was more potential there than there has been. But I just that that seems like a far cry to me. I when I heard that on the broadcast last night, I was like, oh, this is one of those things where, they, frankly, there's no good answer from Mo. At this point, you just don't say anything. Just that's, say, hey, look, we were looking to get mm-hmm. Matthew Libertor. And that was the cost of doing business was Randy Rosarina. Yep. And that's that's probably the answer to give there. And I far be it for me to tell Mo how to do his job. Like the dudes, I know our tax line's going to blow me up for this, but he, he is good at his job, despite what is obviously a pretty public disappointment right now with the Randy Rosarina trade. But that, when I saw that on the broadcast, it's like, oh no, we don't have to. We don't have to bring up why they traded him, right? That that snippet of audio that that gut punched me twice. <laughs> yeah. So at the very end, yeah, there was another piece to this, Jamie. And if you could pull the Joe Buck quote there at the end, yeah, for Joe Ario, Buck, call me on line two. <laughs> Joe Buck, somebody in that Cardinal. Go ahead. Somebody in that Cardinal organization told me Libertor better be Randy Johnson. <laughs> that line, I think Joe Buck stole from listening to a show right here on 101 yesterday. Please tell us how good Libertor <laughs> like, is. Tell us he's Randy Johnson in the making <laughs> or something. That was us with Brian Anderson yesterday in the middle of the interview. Long before Joe Buck said that last night. You, you, sir. He stole it from you. <laughs> he did. Joe Buck, a local guy. I know he has the app downloaded, listens to Ribs and BK all the time. Joe, come on. I'm not in the Cardinals organization, although I should be, maybe. But, yeah, stealing my stuff. He's doing a lot of traveling on private jets, so he's got to be updated with sports in St. Louis. And right? only the best. Yeah, and let's be honest. If you're going to steal from a show, clearly this is the one. We've been, we found that out the hard way. And clearly over the I'm last the baseball guy. Year. Oh, the baseball guy. I'm the basketball guy. I make sure that they have a place to be able to play in the NBA bubble and Disney World. That's a good point. We've got all of this all set up. There's one last thing here, because I know a lot of you are sick of hearing about Randy Rosarena. Uh, and no. frankly, I don't blame you for being sick of hearing about Randy Rosarena. There 
was a positive note on Randy A. Yesterday, Jamie, his stardom has gone so high oh, yes. that Jeff Passan has now decided that he is going to make a song about the one and only Randy Rosarena. Let's take a listen. There's a guy who hits his name Randy Rosarena. Every time he takes a swing, it is a thing. It's Cosa Buena. Running around the bases, he's as fast as a hyena. Oh, Rosarena. I... I That's like got it. a little catch to I it. I like that, actually. Can we hear that one more one time? One more time. There's a guy who hits his name, Randy Rosarena. Every time he takes a swing, it is a thing. It's Cosa Buena. Running around the bases, he's as fast as a hyena. Oh, Rosarena. I think it's a little catchy. Here in St. Louis, instead of being dismissive of all of this, instead of losing our minds every time he hits a home run, I think we just break out in song. I think that's the go- that's the move moving forward to bring our spirits back up while we're watching Randy Rosarena, who just won the ALCS MVP and is only comparable compar- comparable as like our guy Albert. You had it right. Comparable. It's comparable. <laughs> I think the way that we do it is by listening to this song and singing this song amongst ourselves moving oh, forward. Rosarena, hi. hi. With Jario, I'm, I'm Brandon Kylie. What did Danny Mac make of the report yesterday from uh, Ken Rosenthal? We'll ask him, Cardinals broadcaster and the host of Scoops with Danny Mac, when he joins us coming up next on 101 ESPN. Uh, We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by our guy, Danny Mack. He's Cardinals broadcaster and host. Get the time, man. How you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Oh, we are doing fantastic. So we just reacted to the broadcast last night, the audio of Ken Rosenthal and the comment that he got from John Mozeliak. Dan, we've talked about this a million times. I don't want to belabor the point too much with you, but I got to ask it at least. Uh, what was your reaction when you heard that Mo's response to Ken Rosenthal when asked about why they made this trade for the Rosa was basically they viewed him at the time as being very similar to Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader. BK, what's the big deal? He was 0 for 3 last night. Good point, Dan. We'll move right along. So what did you see? I mean, see? I don't get it, you know? What's the big deal? There's <laughs> nothing else to talk about, right? <laughs> right. Um, no, I, I I get it. I, I, um, I had known that. And I, you know, thinking about this and thinking about at the time of when they made the deal, they had a 40-man crunch. So go back to when they made the deal. There was a a crunch on the 40-man. They liked what they saw in O'Neal. They liked what they have in Bader. They were going to give those guys a chance to play. And that's why you saw Garcia moved. That's why you saw Arena moved. That's why you saw Jose Martinez moved. That's why all those guys are moved. Um, and so... You know, the the thing I would say is that if you look back at any of the experts of the guys that follow the minor leagues day in and day out, and I'm talking about the Baseball Americas, those that, that follow the minor leagues religiously, no one had him as a top 10 guy, not one that I follow. And so, you know, he's he's come into his own, He's and good on him. I mean, I'm happy for Randy. And he's done it on the biggest stage, and he's made adjustments on a breaking ball. Um, but I understand where they were coming from. They felt that apparently that there was an upside with the other two guys, and we'll see how it plays out. And I've said it from day one: you know, give it a thousand at bats. When the league makes an adjustment on Randy, 
and vice versa. He'll have to make adjustments as they go forward. Where As we advance this story, guys, where my concern comes in now, I don't think there's any way you would make that deal now. But we know now, and there's no minor league system, meaning that there's no minor league games. You know, what happens with Matthew Libertor not having a minor league system and not having a minor league season, so to speak, and the competition of facing other teams? What happens next year if it's the same thing? That's two years that could be gone of development. Now, you can do all you want down in, the, in, in Springfield, but what happens now? And that is where I would be really concerned, and that's when this becomes really a lopsided deal. So I always say I let the trades play out, but right now it's as lopsided as it possibly can get, and I totally understand that. But as, I, as we were talking, and to answer your question, the comps were – and you can debate it all you want. They were looking at those three guys. They went with the other two, and obviously it hasn't paid off. Danny, uh, look, I, I do see that we talked about this before. I do see the Tyler O'Neill comparison. I think that there are a lot of tools that are very similar between both players. Harrison Bader's a little more off for me just on the offensive side. But the real thing I want to get to with you here right now is can you imagine, like, we have Randy Rosarino now in, in Tampa Bay. Tyler O'Neill's here. But does Tyler O'Neill or Harrison Bader have a song written after them like this one? There's a guy who hits his name, Randy Rosarena. Every time he takes a swing, it is a thing. It's Cosa Buena. Running around the bases, he's as fast as a hyena. Oh, Rosarena. I-, I mean, that's pretty incredible, no? Well, when you get a song, you know, like that from Jeff Passan, uh, <laughs> it kind of solidifies. Now, the next thing is you give him five years and $50 million and you lock him up. Yeah. Then you say, the hell with the song and give me my money. <laughs> That's what comes next. There's no doubt about it. Hey, I, I get why everybody's, you know, I totally understand it. And, and it's logical questions. Why why is Randy Arozarena with Tampa Bay? It's a logical question. When the Cardinals were deficient last year in offense and look at their OPS, Look at their slug. It's not where it needed to be to be a team that is going to be in the upper echelon offensively or a team that needs to be a better team and advance in the playoffs. It's just not. They right now are built on their defense and their pitching, and I understand it, and they're going to have to address that. It's going to be tough with the constraints of what every team is going to be facing this offseason with no fans in the stands. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that's just the way it is. And they're going to have to figure out, do they pick up the option on Wong? Um, you want to sign Molina? Do you want to bring Wainwright back? All those things. But in the big picture, you've got to improve your team offensively. And when you say, hey, there's that guy, you had him, and now he's doing these things that are historically unbelievable, and they are, and, they, and you let him go, that, that's, it's a tough pill to swallow for fans. I get it. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. In hindsight, everything's a lot easier in life. So, uh, But it is happening. But you just mentioned a name in passing there, Yadier Molina. And uh, the scoop coming out here in the last 24, 48 hours is that he has doubled down, reiterated that he'd like a two-year deal. And I brought it up yesterday with BK and with Alex. I said, you know what? I think you give Yadi the two years, but can you afford what he wants financially? And then is Wayno and Yadi, are they a package? And if they can't meet Yadi's financial request, could you see them moving to a team like the Yankees, who could use a guy like Yadi, who are in win mode all the time, and quite honestly have the finances for it? I could. 
Yes. And I, I think what's really interesting, I think Wayno waits to see what happens. And I don't know this on firsthand knowledge at all, but I get to see how this plays out that Wayno waits to see what happens with Yachty and they, they are a package. Um, I think obviously for both of them, their preference on, and this is on both sides that they would want to stay in St. Louis. And I think it's good for the game that they would stay in St. Louis. I think it's good for everybody involved that they stay in St. Louis for the team, for the individuals and for the fans. Um, and it's interesting, you know, by, by rule, Yachty's got to get the steam six million and and because you got to get to the certain percentage of that in free agency. He made 20 million last year. So he's got to get to the 16 million. And what would be interesting is if he hit free agency, what teams would be willing to buck up and pay him the kind of money that he's, he'd be looking for and how intriguing that might be if he gets there. Um, but I would think that they would find a way to bring him back. I, I really do. Even with the budgetary constraints, because let, let's face it guys too. Um, he, he's going to sell tickets and he is an iconic figure in this franchise's history. And as it pertains to baseball, I'm going to have Mike Schilt on the show tomorrow. And we were speaking off the air today. We're just talking about what Yachty does, um, what a normal fan doesn't see. And, and Mike said, he sees things I don't see. And I bet he says that tomorrow too. He says he just sees things on the field I don't see. And I know Mike wants him back. And there's nobody in the coffers yet in, in what they have on their roster and in their system, at least from what I see, that's ready to take that role and run with it. And that includes, includes Kisner. I, I just don't see him being an everyday catcher yet. So to me, Yachty is a guy that you bring back not only because he's a favorite and because he's an, an important piece to this franchise's history, but the guy can still play, and he's doing things at an elite level, even at an advanced age and even with the mileage on the body. So there's a lot of reasons and a lot of checks in the positive boxes as to why you bring him back. Dan, would you give him the qualifying offer? Because it's going to be, I think they said it's like $18.7 million for next year. If he wants a two-year deal, he's probably going to turn that down. And then at least then, if if he were to want to go somewhere else, they were going to give him more money elsewhere. The Cardinals would then get draft pick compensation as a result. If you're Mo, do you think you go that route of giving him the qualifying offer? I don't think they get to that point, BK. Okay. Um, I, I really don't. I, I think they'll they'll get that satisfied before then. I, I totally understand the business side of it as to why you would think that way, but I do think before it's all said and done, they would get that done before then. Perfect. That's. I think that would be very happy news for any Cardinals fans listening. Uh, last thing that I wanted to ask you about, Dan, was in relation to the game last night. We're talking to Dan McLaughlin here on 101 ESPN Cardinals broadcaster and host of Scoops with Danny Mac. You can hear that weekdays from 10 to 11 o'clock. He'll have Mike Schiltz on tomorrow morning with him. We were talking about Clayton Kershaw's performance from last night and how he could potentially change what is his legacy as a pitcher because right now he's known as fantastic regular season pitcher and then blows up in the postseason if he gets a ring this year and maybe gets another one in the future could he shift the narrative on his own career dan or do you think it's already set at this point oh i I think he's got time to shift it because they're they're built to win this year and i do think they're going to win this year if tampa bay doesn't start to hit and i don't think they're going to pitch to randy rosarena and if you don't pitch to him then who else is going to step up in that tampa bay lineup that's but your question is about Kershaw, I think it shifts because the game has shifted from when he first broke into the league 
to how they're using him now. And I thought last night was a great example. Last night, he was awesome. And Dave Roberts didn't ride him into the ground. And think about some of the, the moments, even as a Cardinal fan, you've had watching Kershaw, whether it was the Carpenter at-bats, in which he's had two historic at-bats against him in postseason play, or the Matt Adams home run, where he's kind of on fumes, and he's pitched a great game, but you got to him. Well, last night, they didn't let Tampa Bay get to that point. They said, okay, you've been great, and now we're taking you out, even though we know there's still more in the tank. And that's where the game is now. You know, you don't let guys see a third time through a lineup, or you don't let uh, Clayton Kershaw, even though there's more in the tank, you don't let him get there. You don't let him ride on fumes. You go to your bullpen. So when he first broke into the league, sometimes he was throwing on short day's rest, or you were that manager and you said, well, he's my guy, he's my horse, I'm riding him out. They don't do that now, and they're not going to let him do that. So I do think the narrative can change because of how the game has changed, and they're going to be in postseason play. And even though Dave Roberts did that in the series against the Braves, and I don't think he should have faced Ozuna, and he did, and he got burned, and he lost, well, he learned this time. Don't do that. It didn't let him get to that point, and that's why I think things can change, and the narrative will change, and they'll win. And when you win, everything changes. Jamie knows that. Anybody in sports knows that. You know that, BK. When you win and you start getting rings, a lot is forgotten. So as the game has changed and it's ever-evolving in baseball and how they use these starters and not letting them go deep, especially in postseason – Things will change with Clayton Kershaw. I really believe that. It's interesting because last night he ends up back at the fence that typically Dave Roberts is the guy that's going to leave him in a little longer, just 78 pitches through six innings. And then on the other side of things, the guy that normally leaves or takes the starter out early, Kevin Cash, he leaves glass now in for 110 and just half of those were strikes through four and a third. So it, it was kind of this dichotomy of the two teams basically having a mirror image of what the other typically is last night. And Glasnow had walked six, and Kershaw, through his first four innings, it was like his best four innings almost he had ever had. He had over he had something like 51.3% swings and misses on his swings against him. And that was one of the best he had ever had, if not the best ever in his career. So you were talking about a performance that he was putting together that was one of the best he's ever had. And yet they said, okay, that's enough. We're good. We love our pen. And think about how they used his bullpen in Game 7 with the Braves, against the Braves. Urias went, they got the final nine out. So they were rested going in, and Dave Roberts said, that's it, I'm good, I got rested guys, and now they've got arrested Clayton Kershaw next time he goes out. So you're right, it was kind of a flip of the switch, mm-hmm. uh, if you want, you know, and how they used him. So it was really interesting how they did that. He's Danny Mack, Cardinals broadcaster and host of Scoops with Danny Mendel. Days from 10 to 11 o'clock, if you missed it, he will have Mike Schilt on, Cardinals manager, tomorrow. Be sure to tune in to 10 to 11 o'clock right here on 101 ESPN. Dan, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. We'll talk with you again soon. Great to be with you guys. Thanks. You got it. That's Danny Mac joining us here on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Questions and answers coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex 
Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. A little bit of a quick audible here, Jamie. I'm we excited are happy for this to be one joined. Too, baby. Dick Vital, ESPN college basketball analyst and a Rays super fan down in Tampa Bay. He's thrilled to be watching his team right now in the World Series. We are thrilled to have the Dick Vital super fan for the Rays on with us here on 101 ESPN. Dickie V, always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? Well, I'm doing, I'm doing as well as I would have done with a win last night, but uh, the Dodgers were dominant. And two basic factors cost us that game. Number one, Kershaw was in cruise control, and Mookie Betts with power plus his legs and speed. And then you throw in a third factor, which was really big. You can't beat a team with a quality like the Dodgers when you're walking six guys in four innings. You just can't put people on base. There's no defense for the walk, and it just really, really created a nightmare. So let's hope we can bounce back tonight. Well, one guy who could certainly help that is the guy that's been powering them through the playoffs so far, and that is Randy Arozarena. Uh, we've been talking plenty, as you can probably imagine, Dick, here in St. Louis about Arozarena because the Cardinals were the team that traded him down there. What's it been like for you to watch this rookie sensation in the postseason? Well, you know, my first thought is I can't believe it. I said, let's give a gift to St. Louis uh, for Christmas. I mean, the Cardinals gave us an incredible gift. I think he's legitimate. I mean, he's not going to hit like he did, guys, in, in the ter- terms of the playoffs with all those home runs and 400 average and things of that nature. But I think he's a legitimate, legitimate 10-year player who's going to hit 280, 25 homers a year, maybe 90 RBIs, give you about 20 stolen bases. I just think he's legit. He has good charisma. Uh, what is the real? Well, what happened in it? I know they gave up. They got a good, by the way. They got a hell of a pitcher from us, a young kid named Libertor, who's very, very good. I personally think, and I may not know this, I'm just guessing, I think our number one priority in that trade was getting Martinez. And we thought Martinez was going to be like a, you know, 300 hitter, like he was over the Cardinals for a few years. And he didn't do it here at all. And I think that maybe a Rosarina was just thrown in the deal as a pickup to get Libertor, who's a heck of a prospect as a pitcher. Yeah, Dick, you did get a 300 hitter. His name is Randy <laughs> Rosarino, though. <laughs> hey. Yeah, we did, right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? They said last night on TV, they better make sure that the limits are, he better be a Randy Johnson for that trade. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that somewhere, too. <laughs> Dick, uh, being a fan down in Tampa of the Rays, look, there's all sorts of peaks and valleys for that organization. They talk about games in Montreal. They talk about other games in other places. You have have been there through thick and thin with this organization. How's that ride been for you? Well, you know, really, uh, I certainly would not be a, a person that will follow them if they split and go to Montreal half the year and to Tampa. They know that. I've publicized that. I've stated such. I can't root for a team a half a year. There's just no way. I'll go back to my early roots as a kid growing up. I'll become a Yankee fan again because that's where I grew up in New Jersey, right outside of about 30 minutes away from Yankee Stadium. So the bottom line is, Bottom line is, though, I'm hoping and praying that maybe this success we get the corporate people in Tampa to come through for them in terms of ticket sales. I mean, guys, we won 96 games. This is no fluke team. They won 96 games last year, and they're better this year. And the bottom line is, the bottom line is, people, we're getting eight, 9,000 new games. And one thing about St. Louis, I mean, you fans, they love baseball and support it big time. So you can't blame the owner looking and say, what are we going to do to try and create some interest? And it just, uh, for me, 
There's no way I could buy a split team. I can't do it. I just can't. I may be wrong, but I just don't buy it. We're talking to Ray's super fan, ESPN college basketball analyst Dick Vitale here on 101 ESPN. Uh, Dickie V, how do you feel about this series right now? Your team's down 1-0. How do you feel about the Rays going into game number two? Do you feel like they can still pull this off against this loaded Dodgers team? Well, you know, the Dodgers are really a big-time challenge. There's no doubt about it. I think tonight's the key. If they can get a win tonight, then you got a new series. I mean, you go down two zip to them, and you, not only do you go down two zip, you got to face Bueller in game three, who's probably their best pitcher. I mean, uh, Kershaw is certainly a Hall of Famer, and in the playoffs, he has not been super except last night. He was, he was on cruise control. So the bottom line is, I really think tonight is big. Snell's going to have to be super. Their bats are going to have to come alive. I mean, they need the bats. And I'll tell you, if they do that, I remember this. They lost the first game in the uh, three out of five series to the Yankees, and they bounced back. They were told in game five had no chance because of Jared Cole going, and the Yankees have all their hitters now, Siri and Judge and all that. Then I was, they were told no chance with Houston after they were up 3-0, lose three games in a row. Everybody's in the momentum. The whole bit now is Houston, Houston's experience. That's over, too. So every challenge they've had, have risen to the occasion. So I'm hoping they can do it again, man. Hoping they can do it again. Dick, I know you have a loaded schedule today, so we'll get you out of here on the to get involved and to donate to uh, the Dickie V Foundation, the V Foundation. You can check out the gala. There's a lot of info on that, v.org. You can also go to v.org slash donate, and you can donate there as well. Uh, Dick, I know you do incredible things with your foundation. I'll give you a moment here to be able to kind of sell that to our audience as well. Well, what I would like to sell right now is if they really uh, want to help me. i got a brand-new book out, and basketball lovers, and there's certainly a lot of fans out there, Billiken fans and former Hawks fans years ago. And, uh, by the way, Travis Ford's doing a hell of a job there. But I'll tell you that, that, that St. Louis has got a pretty good team. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, let me just say this. I have a new book out. It's called The Lost Season. And The Lost Season is all about last year not having the – the March Madness, and we write about what could have been, should have been, maybe would have been, how he Schwab, research guru, he did the research, Dick Hoops Weiss, a guru from college sports, wrote the book with me, and the bottom line is, it's doing, we're getting great reviews of it, but the important thing to me, as you mentioned, is helping kids battle cancer, so every dollar, every dollar, if people buy it at dickvital.com, you got to buy it at dickvital.com, Put there what you'd like me to autograph, whatever you want me to say, the Cardinals are the best or whatever, and I will autograph it for you, send it back to you. It's twenty nine ninety nine, and all my profits from that book are going to the V Foundation in memory of Jimmy V, going to help kids battle cancer. So go to DickVital.com and get my new book, The Lost Season. Awesome. Well, we will certainly send our listeners there for you, Dick. Always appreciate the time. Let's talk college basketball here when we ever, whenever we get another opportunity. I got some questions about Mizzou, Illinois, and certainly SLU for you as well. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dick. Illinois is going to be terrific this year, man. They're going to be right up there in that Big Ten race. I'll just tell you this. You don't know how hard I worked for the last 20 minutes trying to get a number. I didn't know where to call. I know I scheduled at 12.15. I guess I screwed up. I thought it was 12.15 Eastern time. Probably was 12.15 Central time. But I made call after call to finally get somebody at ESPN to get me 
the ESPN number in St. Louis. But I'm glad I got there, and thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Our pleasure, Dick. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Thank you. That You got it. That's Dick Vitale joining us here on 101 ESPN. Do you ESPN. feel bad right now? Awful. Absolutely awful. So let's clear the air for Dickie Vitale right now. So he did clear not make out. a mistake. He did not make a mistake. This was 100% on me, nobody else. And, and you are who? I am Brandon Kylie. Okay, is 100% on me. He was an absolute <laughs> class act. I scheduled it. I, I, I saw his video during the ALCS, and I was like, God, it would be awesome to have him yeah. on the show to talk about, you know, the Rays going to the World Series now. And so I reached out to him over the week and I was like hey Dick would there be a time that you could maybe give us a little bit th- this week and he's like yeah absolutely Wednesday would be great 12 o'clock work for you guys and he was talking about Eastern and I was like oh unfortunately that's our open is there any way we could do 1215 mm. so in my mind I immediately wrote it down as 1215 for us right I totally forgot to do the conversion because he's over in Eastern time because he's in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to come on at 1215 Eastern, which is 1115 our time. I'm so disappointed. And I, I messed up. I messed up, but I'm glad we were able to get him on. Just to clarify for him, it is DickVitalOnline.com. That's where you can go to get anything uh, signed from him. All of those proceeds go over to the V Foundation. You can also check that out, V.org. So it's DickVitalOnline.com, and the uh, the V Foundation is V.org slash donate. And I know BK is going to make a donation today for the mix-up and making Dick Vital have to call all these people and jump through hoops. And one thing I know about Italians, <laughs> they got they got friends and places that he can take care he, of some business. He did drop the right. New York thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's not messing around. No. I will donate right now. I'm putting 20 <laughs> bucks towards the V Foundation. I would love it to see our audience do the same. We appreciate his time. I know a lot of you guys are upset we didn't talk SLU basketball. We we will talk to Dick Vitale again. We will talk SLU basketball with him. I'm going to ask him about the Illini. I've got some big questions about Mizzou basketball. We're going to get to all of that. You'll hear that here on the show. I wanted to talk to him about the Tampa Bay Rays today. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Questions and answers coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line for questions and answers. Let's start with this, Jamie. When it comes to next season for the NHL, when are you anticipating that the season is going to start? And what are the important factors here? Like, is it about when the ultimate is it about when fans can get in the stands? What should we be paying attention to as fans for when the NHL season is going to start back up again? Well, first of all, I don't think the NHL is too worried about fitting it in a certain time frame. I think that if this year's any indication, they can certainly operate into the summer. And over the next couple of years, they can inch their way back to a traditional season as things hopefully get better uh, with this COVID-19 thing going on. I think that February 1st is probably a more realistic time frame. And the fans being able to attend the games... That's going to be the number one thing. The NHL, as we revenues in the past decade, it's growing, but it's way behind NFL, MLB, and NBA as far as revenues that are driven to that sport and TV deals. So I think that fans in the stands are going to be a must for the NHL. And if they start on February 1st and we're still not at fans in the stands, I do think they'll go to a Major League Baseball setup to where each team will play in their city and then gradually start to add fans to the mix as it goes on. Yeah, I I truly feel like the NHL is looking at this and trying to estimate when they can get 
get fans in the stands. And even if it's not till March or April, plan on starting in February so you can gradually get to that because, again, as Rivs mentioned, this all comes down to revenue. And in Gary Bettman's eyes, you want to play 82 games. I think you'll take a financial hit if you don't get all the games in because of the TV deals. But more importantly, you'd get 60-plus games plus postseason with fans in the stands, and that's the important factor. Man, I'm going to be really interested to see if they're able to get those because I don't know if you guys saw the news last night, but California has opened up some of their restrictions, but it's up to the individual count and what oh, their God, case yeah. numbers are right now. And it's so, a mess all over the country. Yeah, and this is this is different all over the place, but California is the one where I was like, I don't know how you can possibly expect that they're going to have fans in the stands. So right now, the way that it's working is it's there's a few individual counties within the state. I think there's three right now that technically could have fans in the stands. And I'm talking about for open air stadiums. So like the San Francisco 49ers could technically have fans in the stands. But then the county where they play came out yesterday and said, "Uh, uh-uh, we're not ready for that just yet. We're not willing to have those fans in the stands. So even for the outdoor stadiums in California, they still can't have fans in the stands. So we might be a ways away from NHL stadiums out in California, for instance, and elsewhere as well. You got Canada, too. I mean, you don't, yeah, NHL don't even know if they're going to be able to get people into Canada. Well, or two guys, what you might see is, uh, and this has been floated around, I haven't really said anything because it is kind of shooting from the hip, but I've heard that the NHL would consider doing bubble-type format, but in certain areas. So kind of like Major League Baseball, they got a number of teams in, mm-hmm. in the Texas area right now. So the California teams would play their home games in Texas. Yeah. And then the revenue from those games wouldn't go to the home team as far as in Texas. It would go to the team that was supposed to be the home team. So without making it too confusing, if the L.A. Kings have a home game and they play in Dallas against the San Jose Sharks, then L.A. Kings would get the revenue Revenue from the game. Could you also just do like for it's a one off and everything's weird right now. Right. And all of this would have to be agreed to and basically an impromptu CBA. But could you do a year where it's just revenue sharing and all of the money is just pooled together and we distribute it evenly amongst the 31 teams? you could or yeah, I mean, you could. Uh, And I think that's probably the easiest way to do it. Uh, But the problem with that is then if things kick in. And now all of a sudden you're able to have 50% capacity in your building. Then I guess you'd have to have somebody who stops the numbers at a certain point. Or I you guess just you continue could just go the whole year. Season. Yeah, yeah, you just because there's going to be certain places where it's 100%, right? I mean, tomorrow it's possible that the Panthers could have 100% capacity down in their, no, in their stadium. They'll never get 100%. In Florida, Florida Panthers? <laughs> oh. <laughs> have you not seen I, one of their games? I should have clarified. <laughs> they would be allowed to have 100% capacity okay. in their stadium. And that's where you might have an issue, though, too, is like the New York Rangers or some of these teams who drive big revenues, having to share that revenue with the Florida Panthers or the Carolina Hurricanes who get five or 6,000 people at a game. That's like a raise for those teams. Yeah. So, hey, it could be sticky. Six I agree, five, though. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. One quick question here. Guys, if the Cardinals don't make a major move this offseason or next, would you begin losing faith in the ownership's, quote, old school baseball, end quote, mentality? Um, Not yet. And I know that I'd probably get torched on the text line for that. But I think this year and next year and even the year after are going to be really, really weird because of this damn COVID. And, you know, your finances, what do we see? 
I think I read something that the Major League Baseball as a whole lost like $3 billion or something this year because of COVID. Yeah. If that continues, then I think everybody in every fan base has to be patient. And I think you'd see some teams, too, that are way up there, like the Dodgers and the Yankees on, on not being afraid to spend. They might actually come down, too, just because they have to. So I'm not ready to lose faith because of last year or next year. But I do need to see a path of where they're headed and what the thoughts are, maybe being a little more open with what their plan is. And you can't lose faith in the ownership if they're bringing you close to the postseason every year. And I'm not speaking from a fan perspective because everyone wants the Dodgers mentality, right? You want all of that talent. But from the Cardinals ownership perspective, we want to be in the postseason run every year. And they have been but one year where they've been in a postseason game to the end of the season. So it's hard to lose faith in what they're doing because they're bringing you competitive baseball. Speaking of that, Dodgers mentality and how loaded this team is. How many Cardinals would realistically start for the Dodgers? I'm talking position players. How many of the Cardinals position players today would start for this Dodgers team? We'll try to answer that. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. If you want to get involved, that's all coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. I mean, if we play at our best, no. I mean, I don't. I don't think. I, I think we are the best team. I think our clubhouse believes that, and so you know, there's going to be certain times where you know we get beat, and we that happens. But as a collective group, if everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing and playing the way they're supposed to, I, I don't. I don't see how that can happen. So that was Clayton Kershaw after the game last night when he was asked, "Can anybody beat you guys when you're playing at your best?" And Jamie, I remember a few weeks ago now, uh, Sean Salisbury came on our show and said, when the Chiefs are playing their best game, nobody in the NFL is going to beat them. Their best is better than anybody else's best. The same is also true of the Dodgers. And we're watching that right now in real time. When you watch last night and you see Mookie Betts and you go up and down their lineup, you're like, where is the soft spot? <laughs> like, when do I get to the part where if I'm a pitcher and I'm, a, I'm the opposing pitcher going up against the Dodgers, I'm like... All right, made it through the heart of the order. I feel good now. It doesn't really exist. Like, all of these dudes are just hitting the hell out of the baseball, and they have all year long. And so when I was sitting back last night in Keith's uh, armchair, I was thinking to myself, all right, so how many Cardinals could realistically start for this team? Were you sober? And no, then, I had a couple of whiskeys at this <laughs> oh point. And then God. Keith said, get out of my chair and stop thinking. <laughs> and quit touching my whiskey. <laughs> no, all true. Um, so I was wondering, like, how, how many Cardinals could realistically, the position players, start for this Dodgers team? And you start off with one, right? Because I, I think it's fair to say they would find a spot for Paul Goldschmidt to start for them. Who do they have at first base right now? Max They've got Muncy. Max Muncy, who's a, who's a good player, but he's, Goldschmidt's going to play over him. He's a better defensive player. He's, he's better offensively in terms of career numbers. Yeah, Paul Goldschmidt starting. Worst case scenario, they would put Muncy at DH. Like They would find so a spot one. in their order. That is, we're starting off with that So one. we got one. Hold on, try it again. So we got one. Sorry, it was, we go. was broken for a minute there. The question then becomes with the second, maybe going beyond that. It gets a little tougher, guys, because I was like, uh, uh, right off the top of my head, I was like, oh, Yachty probably starts for him. And then you look at what Will Smith has done for them. Just finished Bad Boys 2. No, it's Bad Boys for Life. That's it. Bad Boys 2 was back in 2009. Bad Boys 2, one of the all-time great movies. Best out of all three. Yachty's good, but come on. Let's be honest. Yachty's the the Martin Lawrence to Will Smith. So this Will Smith character, their catcher, slash DH, and he can be a DH because he's unbelievable, 
This dude in 284 career plate appearances has 23 home runs. He has a 940 OPS in his career so far in the major leagues. That's not good. I was listening yesterday to Steve Phillips on Sirius XM radio, and he said he's going to be one of the best catchers in baseball very soon. So, like, we're talking about a guy that would almost certainly start over Yadier Molina. So then the conversation shifts to, all right, who are the other options? Guys, I think there's only one. I think maybe Colton Wong starts for the for the Dodgers, and that's it. I think it's Paul Goldschmidt for sure, and maybe Colton Wong. And this gets to where I think for Cardinals fans, they look at this and they're like, there is a wide gap between these two teams. Like, there is a really, really wide gap. And so when I come on here, and I still believe, I really do in my heart of heart, that the Cardinals aren't that far away from being a real contender. I think they're like a bat maybe two away from being that. It also is really hard for me to say that when I'm watching this Dodgers team do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because on one hand, I think the Cardinals are close. On the other hand, I think they might have at most two position players that could actually start for the Dodgers right now. So here's where I am on it. I think the Cardinals are closer to being the Tampa Bay Rays if they get another bat. And I think that that's what they could focus on. I think the Dodgers are another planet, quite honestly. Nobody's and close to the to Dodgers. To your point coming into this segment about you're like, Whoa, okay, well, this guy, no, no. That's exhausting for the opposing mm-hmm. pitcher. Think about every single at-bat having to bear down, paint the corners, don't give them anything good, work up the count, try to get ahead of it. If not, you're battling. No wonder these other pitchers only last three, four innings. How exhausting would that be? Every guy who steps up to the plate has the potential to just mangle the ball. Well, think about the batting order. Like, you have Cody Bellinger batting fifth. You have (laughs) Mookie Betts batting two. Justin Turner's batting three for you right now. And he's legitimately batting three for you. Like, he can hit in that spot. So your two best hitters aren't even hitting in your three and four spot. Whereas the Cardinals are trying to figure out who the hell's going to bat cleanup for you. Think about how many of these guys would be the Cardinals' second best hitter. Like, at worst, they're Cardinals' second best second hitter. Best. Second best. Second best. I'm talking like Goldschmidt would be one of the two, right? If you, if you say, hey, Goldie's a really good hitter, because he is, objectively compared to all of the other guys in baseball, really good. Like, Mookie Betts would be up there. Seeger, Turner, Muncie, Smith, Bellinger. Like, all of those guys would immediately come in and, at worst, fill in as the Cardinals' second best hitter on the roster. And a lot of them, obviously, would be the best hitter on the roster. But... Like, this is where we are. You get to their seventh hitter before you talk about a guy that, okay, could are the Cardinals second best hitter compared to that guy. Is he better than that guy? That's wild, man. This this roster, and it's not breaking news to anybody, but it's just seeing it on this level against what the best of what the American League has to offer in the Rays is jarring. And they're finally putting it together on the big stage. And that's my big takeaway from this series, Jamie, if the Dodgers are able to do this is, They've been this team for a while. The difference is they were really close, really close. They were ready to break through. And then they added Mookie Betts. Like, that's the move. That's the move that we've been talking about here in St. Louis. Don't go get Dexter Fowler. Don't go bring in Andrew Miller. Who's the big time player that everybody in baseball says to themselves? Oh, my God, they got him. They got they got him. Really? They're adding that guy to the lineup. The answer this offseason was Mookie Betts and they got him. And then they paid him. And that's the dude that you pay. We saw it last night. He was the second player in World Series history to have a walk in multiple, multiple stolen bases in the same inning. The only other dude to do it was Babe Ruth back in 1921. (laughs) 
Good to be a Boston Red Sox fan. The babe. Like, that's the guy that you go get. That's the one that puts you over the top. And the Cardinals haven't done that in a decade now. And that's the difference right now is the Dodgers are willing to make that move. And the Cardinals right now don't appear to be. But it comes down to evaluating talent again. Like people look at the Dodgers and think, oh, well, this team just goes out and spends money nonstop. But I mean, they they found Cody Bellinger deep in the draft. They evaluated a Justin Turner and took him away from Pittsburgh. They were ready to give up on him and go through the rest of the guys, a Max Muncy, a Jock Peterson, a Will Smith, their pitching staff. That's all evaluating talent. I look at the Dodgers like I looked at what the Blackhawks did when they went out and signed Mary. Marion Hosa, right? Like you don't go get Marion Hosa until you know you can win title after title, but you don't get that until you find a Jonathan Taves, a Patrick Kane, a Duncan Keith, a Brent Seabrook, a Corey Crawford. You build the talent, then you go get that player. And right now we want Nolan Arenado. We want Francisco Lindor as Cardinals fans, but you got to have the talent around that player to become that world series contender, which is why Mookie Betts is doing what he's doing. So a couple things here uh, in my head. One, what is the difference in payroll? For the Dodgers and the Cardinals, I think it's, what, 50, 60 million? Something like that. It's like 50. Let's just say 50. And so that, and then also I do think, heading off in a different direction here, obviously I do think, and the text line here, 314 as well, 65780, Air Comfort Service text line, Jack Flaherty would certainly be. Yeah, I'm talking position players. I'm just clarifying that for some of our listeners, but. So if the payroll difference is $50 million, It's about 30 by the way. It's about 30 uh, Dodgers last year, and it's hard to go by this year because everything's prorated, but last year the Dodgers were at $207 million, The Cardinals were at $175. So then it, go, it comes back to spending your money in the right places because $30 million is not a big chunk of change. Heck, that's one player if it's the right player. And it was the same this year, $30 million. Difference so if that's the case, then like I was thinking originally when we started tossing around this conversation that – we're a hundred million dollars apart in payroll. Like there's, but we're not. We're Mookie Betts. We're Mookie away. Betts away. It's literally the difference. Like thirty million dollars is the difference between where the Cardinals are payroll wise and where the Dodgers is. That thirty million dollar player. We're talking about Mookie Betts. And I think what Mookie do, Betts. What do Matt on, Carpenter and Fowler combined make? Thirty se- uh, Thirty six. Yeah, just wondering. And I think Mookie Betts doesn't. Uh, Mookie Betts makes you top. Five, maybe top three team in the National League. The Cardinals? Put them on the Cardinals. Oh, no. I, I think they're immediately the second best team in the National League if you add Mookie Betts. That dude completely changes your roster. Like, we're seeing it right now for the Dodgers well, because you're also removing yeah. him from the Dodgers and you're putting him onto the Cardinals. I, I think they would be, if, if you added that guy to this team, they're a contender tomorrow. So, to what me. would Arnado or Lindor cost you? A lot of dollars. Are you talking money or prospects? Just money. Like if they if they went and got him, whatever they give up to get him, and they get him in the organization. Now, what's it going to take? That's the going right now. Is is thirty? Thirty million dollars. Yeah. Same George Springer. Thirty million dollars. You think? I think Springer oh, yeah. will be closer to twenty to twenty five. But you're with what he did in the postseason, though. Somebody's going to overspend for George Springer. I don't know, man. I just think the difference is the term for Springer. Yeah. Springer's probably going to get a five or a six year deal. These guys that we're yeah. talking about, the Arenado and Lindor, Mookie Betts just got a 12 year deal. These guys are getting 10 to 12. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Cardinals are so hesitant to do. They do not want to give out these long term deals that keep these players here until they're 38. Unless it's Matt Carpenter. Right. But, well, the, the thing that I that's actually an interesting point for Ario because the thing that I always push out, uh, push oh, back against that from you find it then is it was working Matt Carpenter is going to have that whatever four or five year deal that is taking them up until the same year the age that you would have one of these guys that we're talking about 
if you're giving him that 10 year deal. So Carpenter's deal keeps him here from like age 33 to 36 or something like that. Right. If you were to sign a Francisco Lindor, for instance, and you sign him at age 26 and you give him a 10 year deal. Same well, thing. It's the same back end of the deal. I like that deal. The worry is the same. It's OK. What is he going to be in age 34, 35, yeah, the 36 cost is not even close. He's going to be a better. He's going to be the same defensive player because the defense has been superb. And when your defense is there, it's going to be there no matter what. And at least then you get the prime. Mm-hmm. Like at least now I'm paying for the prime. And yeah, maybe it's going to hurt on the back end with the Carpenter deal. I didn't even get the prime on this portion of the deal. Hey, I already got it. 40 home runs in a season. But I already got that. And now I'm re-signing him to another deal. And so that's what I have a hard time with here is understanding, okay, you're willing to give some of these guys, Dexter Fowler even, you're willing to give that dude at the back end of his career the five-year deal. Why don't I sign the guy in the prime to a 10-year deal so that way I at least get Vin? Yeah. And and I'm still worried about the back end the same way that I was about the Dexter Fowler deal. I smell what you're stepping in, BK, and uh, I agree. I think that you're right. If you can grab a player in their prime, and you're an organization that has paid on the back end of guys' careers anyways, why would you not pay for something that you're almost certain you're going to get the production out of early in their career? So two, probably, position players would start for the Dodgers. Maybe one. And yet, I'd I'd still think they're not that far away. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. The Blackhawks are cycling through their contention days. Is there a player on their roster right now that in a hypothetical world... The Blues might have a little bit of interest in. We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Odell Beckham's having a rough year, guys. A really rough year. Happy year. So do you guys remember after the national championship when he distributed $2,000 to the players? He was like handing out cash. To the yeah, LSU that players. was interesting. I wish that I was played a, for him. What's that? I said I wish I played with him to get a little cash yeah. bonus there. Yeah. Unfortunately, NCAA rules are sometimes highly frustrating. He's now been on. banned from LSU for the next two years. Oh, come so LSU on. banned him or NCAA did? LSU has banned Odell Beckham Jr. from the premises for two years because of that action. Can I imagine how that conversation went with that? Well, I think all the crap that comes along with them, they're sick of. That oh. is, you know, what I mean? <laughs> can't give out to all of our You can't come back. Alex is having a stroke. <laughs> so that is not all that is happening right now for LSU. That national championship came at a literal cost. Oh. Apparently, they were paying some of their their players. No, that, wait, wait, what? <laughs> what? Wait, what? The, what? Yeah. No. Yeah, it's that true. Never happens. Tell me more, BK. And I'm not even talking about only the Odell Beckham cash that he was handing out. The father of former offensive lineman Vidal Alexander received $180,000 in stolen money from LSU booster John Paul Funes, who admitted in 2019 that he embezzled more than a half a million dollars from a hospital in Baton Rouge. The money was a payment from 2012 to 2017 for what the NCAA characterized as a no-show job. Damn! Well, at least he was trying to do something nice with the money. Yeah, college football is incredible. <laughs> I would love, you know how every every like, the mob there's always like the one snitch that comes out and talks like in yeah. depth about how it's disgusting. Jimmy the rat. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would love for like one person to just come out and be like, "Here's the book." Yeah, here's what happens. Here's really what goes on. This dude is a booster 
who embezzled more than half a million dollars from a hospital in Baton Rouge and spent $180,000 of it on an offensive lineman for his alma mater. Like that, that is the booster you want. (laughs) It goes all in. He does. He does. And listen, it, it worked. They ended up getting a national championship out of this. So I think every LSU fan would say that now though, it was all worth it. So they have imposed um, some restrictions on recruiting. They now have a limit. COVID hasn't done that on its own. Well, they have a reduction in recruiting visits, evaluations, communications after a nearly two year investigation, they are docking themselves eight football scholarships over the next two years. So this is all stuff that LSU has self-imposed. The NCAA has not made its findings. Oh boy, found we know yet. that one plays out. Yeah. So uh, LSU, congrats on the national title. I think it's probably over for you. The for best is yet to come. I think it was the worst is yet <laughs> oh, to come. Sorry, the best has already come. With Jamie oh. Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. So the Blackhawks are cycling through their contention days. It's over. They announced yesterday, hey, we are going into a new. Um, rebuild term here. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be some dark days ahead down in or up in Chicago. And Jamie, I wanted to ask you guys because as I was sitting back thinking about this, I was like, man, there's there's a lot of tentacles to to this situation because first of all, they went all in the way that we were talking mm-hmm. about the Blues potentially doing with Alex Petrangelo, and the result was it was totally worth it. Won three cups, went to two other Western Conference finals in a seven-year span. Uh, the last couple of years certainly have been rough, but it was totally worth what they decided to pay for all of their stars, and now they're going in the down cycle. So in this down cycle, they're probably going to have to get rid of some of their stars. I'm going to propose something that will not happen. There is a 0% chance of this happening, but it's fun for Sports Talk Radio. Can I comment on that first, though? Sure. Okay, this is really weird move by Stan Bowman to go into this rebuild thing now, send a letter to all the fans and put it out publicly. The guys, the only guys he can get rid of, and I know we're going to get into one of them mm-hmm. here, is Taze, Kane, Keith, and Seabrook. Crawford's already gone now. Those guys have full no-trade clauses. Seabrook might be done for his career. Yeah, so he might be, but that might actually work to his advantage. <laughs> long-term injury money on that yeah. player. But the other three guys, full no-trade. So he's handcuffed. I know he can no move. He can try to force them into a trade. But if not, they can say, okay, great. I'm Patrick Kane. Sit me then. Send me to the minors. Well, and from what the reports are, according to Mark Lazarus, who covers the team for The Athletic, K- T- Caves, I've called them together. Hmm. Tane... I'm not even going to try this anymore. The two supers, thank you. you. They're pissed off. The two Utes. Because because they didn't know that this was coming. And Stan Bowman's response to it was, well, well, we've been in rebuild for a couple of years already. Yeah, but they finally got on track. Last year was a pretty good year for them. They were one game away from going to the second round of the playoffs last year. Stan Bowman is out of his mind right now. I think he's in survival mode. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, BK. So they are now in survival mode, and their general manager is going to have to make some difficult decisions if he is actually going to stick to this plan of going full rebuild, right? And guys like Patrick Kane and Taves could both bring back a massive haul. Caves. If they wanted to go that route and they decided to sell off some of their assets, right? They could get a huge haul in return for those guys because they're still really, really good players. Well, what if the Blues decided, hey, you know what? We've got a spot right now on the top line that we've been talking so much about, Jamie. And we would love to get a right winger in here to pair with Robert Thomas. And we can have either Schwartz or Shin on that left wing. And that can be our top line moving forward. You could put me on that top line and it would be a top line still. Right. 
No. What if they said, you know what? And again, it's not going to happen because the Blackhawks would never agree to it. Hey, Doug Armstrong calls up Bowman. He says, you're, hey, you're Army right now? I'm Army. Give me an Army Take voice. Take Bowman. Do it. You know, I, uh, I would really love to talk to you guys about bringing Patrick Kane over to the, uh, the St. Louis Blues. <laughs> Mm. The response would be. <laughs> okay. Um, in order for this to happen, Doug, uh, we're probably going to look at players like Colton Pareko, Robert Thomas, and, and a draft pick. Yeah, those guys aren't available. <laughs> we are. Uh, Good luck, Doug. <laughs> Good luck to you, sir. <laughs> we would love to send Vladimir clear what their clientele is. It's other guys like Mark Melanson who have made millions of dollars. Like Jamie Rivers, for instance, oh, yeah, right. would give Diamond Sturf a call. I, I purchase crabgrass. <laughs> That's all I can afford. I'm sorry. <laughs> is this your new favorite baseball player? He's not my new favorite, but I'll tell you what. He's on the squad, okay? He's part of the Drinking Buddy crew, for sure. I mean, we could talk business. Um, if I need to upgrade my turf in the backyard, which I don't have currently, maybe I should. Yeah. Although that could be messy with the dogs. You never know. Um, Easy cleanup. I, I think it's hilarious. I do. I think it's awesome that he's doing that. And that it's under the radar. I mean, it is, but it isn't. It's yeah. very subtly under the radar, which is awesome. And good for this guy. You know, a lot of guys don't have anything on the side or they don't plan ahead and whatnot. And even if this guy doesn't need the money, he's made lots of money. At least he's got something now that, heck, his kids could run later on in life or something like that. Good for you, Melanson. It's incredible. You know Joe Kelly, but I love you, buddy. So if he's not your favorite baseball player, I know earlier this year, Cam Newton was your favorite football player, Jamie. No, that's not true. What do you mean? He was never my favorite football player. Earlier this year, you were you were all in on the Cam Newton experience. I was all in on him as talented and being a man-child out there. Yes, but I never said he was my favorite. I would not cheat on Tom. Like Did that. you know that he is also a philosopher? Oh. Yes, unfortunately, I've heard some of his work. So he was on WEEI the other day. Oh, no. And I went back and listened to the full 15-minute interview. There were some real gems. Was your brain in a pretzel after? It still is. So let's hear the three best from Cam Newton in his interview on WEEI. Let's start with how he doesn't point fingers at anybody else. Doesn't point fingers, I point thumbs course talking about how i point back at myself it's not That's your good. fault it's my fault the next one okay. the sky is falling but the sky may be falling but he's got his raincoat and his umbrella to get the job done and finally cam newton he wears how, good hats too how should they be looking at their own team right now we have no room to look through a telescope our focus should be through a microscope hmm. we shouldn't be looking forward we should be self-reflecting right now. Yeah, OJ, I agree. <laughs> That's some deep stuff right there. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario on Brandon Kyle Kylie. For some grass. Different company. Different kind of company. <laughs> Speaking of thoughtful, Chris Kerber always thoughtful about the Blues. I'll ask him about my... Oh, God, should I even throw this at him? I wouldn't. I'll no. ask him about my idea of oh, trading boy. for Patrick Kane coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's go out to the Brown and Crippen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by, by the voice of the blues. He is Chris Kerber joining us here on 101 ESPN. Kerbs, always appreciate the time. How you doing today, man? 
Brandon, I'm doing good. Thank you. Absolutely. Happy to have you today. So let's start with, I mean, let's reset for a minute because the last couple of weeks we've been so ingrained in uh, the Petro sweepstakes and then Tory Krug and then Clifford and all of these different things, the moving parts of what the offseason always brings. With where we are today with this Blues team, what are you kind of forecasting for what this looks like this upcoming season? How do you feel like they stand today after what we have now seen with the offseason moves? I think they stand okay. I think there's still some question marks, and there's obviously still some roster work that needs to be done, primarily with Vince Dunn. And don't forget, Jake Wallman is still in that mix. Um, you know, Wallman just has never really been able to make the jump over the last few years to to break into the National Hockey League on a team that's been deep defensively. So, and that being said, I do think they're going to be fine cap-wise, at least the way the cap is structured, because it appears as if one or two players in Steen and Tarasenko could end up starting the season on long-term IR. So they do have time to adjust the roster if the season were to start at the beginning of January, maybe even at the beginning of February. So still a little work to be done there. The way I look at it, though, is, whether the Central Division remains the same or whether it's tweaked if you have to go to a Canadian division because of another COVID season, uh, and, and it's and that Southeast-type division scenario we've seen thrown out there could be good. I actually really like the St. Louis Blues' chances in either division setup, that's, and that's got to be the first and foremost. Your first goal, make the playoffs. Second goal, win your division, get a better seed, and then third goal, see what happens in the playoffs. I, I really like the way that it's shaping up for the Blues no matter what. Hey, Curbs, the one thing that's still laying out there is, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, is Vince Dunn has been offered his qualifying offer. Can you update us on whether or not he has accepted that offer or if there's been a counter offer? I just look at that as the one piece that hasn't been solidified yet, and that's quite a big piece for the St. Louis Blues as far as locking up their decor. Yeah, I don't have an answer to that one, Jamie. If he had accepted the offer, he would have been signed. Uh, so you have to think that, that he has not. Now, when a team makes an offer to the player, that basically is that's just a way to make sure that nobody else can go ahead and sign him. Uh, you know, or, or, or the, the Blues, you know, he doesn't. That, that's a way of making sure that he doesn't become a, an unrestricted free agent. Uh, now, another team could still sign him to an offer sheet, but – uh, and, and you've experienced this. The, the offer sheet scenario has been done so rarely, and then so few times has it been successful. Um, you do see it from time to time, but it's like you've got to be really, really, really one of those top guys to be worth the bounty that somebody has to pay for uh, an offer sheet. So, uh, interesting to see how this one's going to go down, Jamie. You know, like if if Vince Dunn is thinking anything beyond a bridge contract, I don't see how that's possible with the St. Louis Blues. To be honest with you. Uh, he's right in that wheelhouse. I don't think he had a great season last season, so I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say like his trajectory was still shooting up. Uh, but but you have a really really good player that is still very young, especially considering what only three years as a defenseman in the National Hockey League. So there is that factor somewhere. If they come to terms, you got to think it's going to be on one of those bridge type contracts. 
Yeah, Curbs, I would agree. And in fact, you know, it's crazy how things work because we crowded on the right side last year. And then with the moves in the offseason, now there's a crowded dance floor on the left side. And that would directly affect a guy like Vince Dunn. And he doesn't have any arbitration rates. And we're talking about a pandemic type scenario here where teams aren't overflowing with money. I would imagine if it was me, I would be telling Vince Dunn, hey, let's hurry up and sign this deal so that you can continue to develop in this organization and become an even more valuable asset. Well, Jamie, players want, uh, you know, players want the free market system, don't they? Well, guess what happens to the market sometimes? Sometimes it blocks you out. Sometimes it goes down. Sometimes you didn't play as well as you could have, and that hurts your value. There's another aspect that's lingering over this one, and I agree with you. Look, he doesn't have – he really doesn't have much rights. Uh, the only negotiating ability he has is to hold out, right? Yeah, which uh, is not and, a good idea. The danger, no, that's not a good idea right now because the other thing that the Blues have waiting in the wings, and it is a bit of an unknown, but uh, but from all intents, he's, he's a hell of a hockey player, and that's that's Perunovic. So – you know, there there are some options that, that that the Blues have right now if Vince Dunn were not to sign. Now, I haven't talked to Vince, um, so I, I want to make sure I'm not putting words in his mouth saying he's going to do that. I have not talked to Vince about it. So th- that said, there's another aspect, and I don't remember if it was with you guys or one of the other shows I was, I was bringing this up on sometime last week. But, look, you also have an expansion draft at the end of next season. All right? So – Sometime during this season, you have to try and address that. And if you go with the, and they're going to have the same rules as, as Vegas had, right? And I don't see teams being willing to throw as many draft picks at Vegas to not take players as at, at Seattle like they did to Vegas. So to, to me, the reality of it is, is you know, you're obviously protecting Pareko, all right? You're going to protect Tory Krug, and then you've got a decision to make. Is it Falk? Is it Scandella? Is it Vince Dunn? You know, and this is assuming that they, they're not protecting Bortuzzo or, you know, along those lines. So at that point, you think, okay, Vince Dunn would be a heck of a player to have somebody pick up. So one way or another, you have to wonder, you know, what, what the long-term future is here anyway. Now, if they decide to protect Vince Dunn, now you're looking at him, Perunovic, Krug, Pareko. I mean, that's pretty good. So a lot of, a lot of things kind of swirl around the Vince Dunn decision in a lot of different ways other than just getting him under contract. We're talking with Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. Curbs, one of the guys that we've been talking so much about over the last couple of weeks, really, is Jordan Kyrou and the jump that he needs to make for this team going into this season. Because you feel so good about Robert Thomas as one of the centermen this year. You love Braden Shen and Schwartz on that left wing. You love O'Reilly with Perron. There's that one spot with Vladimir Tarasenko at least being out for the foreseeable future or you just wonder who's going to be that right wing on that top line and Kairou would potentially have the opportunity to do that. What do we need to see from Kairou this year? What needs to change in his game for him to be able to take that step that we've been waiting for? You know, if, if you're Jordan Kairou right now, Brandon, I mean, don't you think right now he's a hungry dog looking inside a butcher shop being locked out right now? I mean, like you hope so. You, you, well, that's exactly right. I mean, it is all up to him right now. The biggest thing when you would talk to Craig Berube, and Berube likes his speed, which this team could drastically use. He knows he's got the skill. It, it was really the responsibility on the ice without the puck. How was he playing without the puck? Was he? And I, I know that may make some people cringe when you're talking about an offensive player, but that also means just being smart enough to be in the right position. 
Sometimes it's the right position to create a turnover that gives you a scoring chance. Sometimes it's the right position in the offensive zone defensively to keep the puck in, which creates more cycles, helps you draw a penalty uh, or even another scoring chance. But I think that that reliability where the coaching staff can count on him to me is one of the biggest things he can work on. Now, aside from that, there is a huge opportunity for him to step into a top six role, and, I, and both him and Zach Sanford. When you're talking about a player in a top six role, you're talking about a player where you have to get production from your top six players. Somewhere, somehow, it doesn't have to be an 80-point season, but it's got to be some level of balance uh, with your players in the top six. So along with that, he's going to have to find a way to become productive to play in that role. But my goodness, what an opportunity uh, that he has potentially in the top six if they decide that they want to put Braden Shen at center and keep the centerman as Shen, O'Reilly, and Thomas. I mean, Jordan Kyrou's, Jordan Kyrou's development is a huge key, potentially, for the Blues to not have to go out and make a move and then give them some lineup flexibility and depth. So speaking of that top line and potentially making a move, I've got a hypothetical that we were just talking about a little while ago. That Uh-oh, brace yourself, Curbs. It's ridiculous, Curbs. It's not going to happen, and I want to say that on the front end. Uh, however, it's fun because it's the off season, and here we are, right? We've got, we don't even know how much time until the season actually resumes, so what the right. hell? Yesterday, there was the news that Chicago, it looks like, is going into their down cycle. They're going to start this rebuild or continue, I guess, their rebuild process. And, of course, that brings into question what Patrick Kane's future is going to be with the Blackhawks. I don't think they would ever make a move with St. Louis. I don't think they would. However, if they decided to, again, in this hypothetical BK scenario, if they decided that they were interested in moving Patrick Kane and they were willing to listen to offers from the Blues, and Doug Armstrong called up uh, Bowman and he was like, you know what, we... We love Patrick Kane here in St. Louis, and we'd love to have him on our top line, and we were willing to send you Vladimir Tarasenko, Perunovic, and a couple of first-round draft picks. What do you think that would look like for the Blues with Patrick Kane being on that top line? Uh, well, it'd look amazing. I mean, I, I don't know that there's a... I don't know if there's a better right winger, you know, consistently in the National Hockey League. Uh, it becomes somewhat intriguing because of the injury scenario of Tarasenko and that you said. That that, that right. said, I, I could see the Chicago Blackhawks with having three years left on Kane, three years left on Taze, three years left on Keith, and then 67 years left on Seabrook. <laughs> I, could, I could see – I could the, – the way I look at this, and I and – like – Jonathan Taves, to me, is the first one to go with that bunch. I really do believe that. If they're going to move one of those core guys in the next little while, I think it's Jonathan Taves. I, I think Patrick Kane is hes just still way too good, and he's still just way too productive. I mean, it, it's crazy how good and sick this guy is. So, but Curbs, isn't that when um, you want to trade him as well, he's still got his peak value? Like, if you are actually going all in on this rebuild – wouldn't you as an organization, I know it's going to hurt. You don't want to see him go anywhere else, but that's when you probably should sell on a guy like that is when he's still at that peak level. So you can get as much as possible for him. Right. Yeah. But, but, but look at this. I know. Well, yes, I, I would agree with you, but, but I'm not so like, I don't think they're beginning a rebuild. I think they began that a couple of years ago. Yeah, I agree. Kurt. And, right. And, and so 
I mean, it's a little, I think it's a little bit of a tease here. I think the letter and what the Blackhawks did was to temper expectations organizationally, take some of the heat off by, by, by doing what they're doing. That said, look at, if you look at an Alex Dabrinkit and you look at the other young players that they have brought in there, there's some growth. And my goodness, no better way for some of those guys to learn and speed that process up than around some amazing veteran champions like like they've had. It look, I would they shore up defensively a little bit. That's going to be a pretty decent hockey team. Now, I'm not going to say that they're a championship caliber team at the moment, but 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 could they be challenging for a playoff spot? In my opinion, with a better defensive play, absolutely. Now. I think they shot themselves in the foot with the Crawford decision a little bit there, so they're going to have to figure out the goaltending aspect of it. But that's that's not a – they've got a pretty good young crop of forwards there. And and so to me, look, if, I, still think, I still think there's something in the Jonathan Taves where he goes in and he's playing second, third-line center for somebody on a team knocking on the door. I mean, I mean I'm not even – like, okay, since we're talking silly season stuff here. Yeah, I love let's it. get some curves. You know, you know, for example, like, like, could you imagine Jonathan Taves going home and and and, and joining the Winnipeg or uh, the uh, the Edmonton Oilers and seeing what that would mean up in Canada? You know, something like like like, what would a Jonathan Taves in that locker room after after the Edmonton Oilers have had so many years of losing and losing and losing, right? So I, I just, I, I just, to me, I just don't see him getting rid of Kane. Um, but if they do and they want to offer him to us, hell yeah, I'll listen. Look, I, like I told you, I've. I've sent my daughter away from the table once for saying she was going to root for the Blackhawks, but that doesn't mean I would take Kane on my team. That dude is an incredible player. I remember one of the first like real hockey series that I watched. I grew up in KC. I was not a hockey guy growing up, but when I moved here to St. Louis, it was the it was the very beginning of that Blues Blackhawks seven game series where the Blues finally came over the top. And to watch Kane in that series, just he, he looked like he was playing at a different level from anybody else, just at a different plane, a different speed. So yeah, I mean, the, getting that guy here in St. Louis, and he he looks like the same dude today that he yeah. did then. You guys would like this. This is a stat I throw out there periodically on the air, and it still just it still blows my mind when, when you really think about this and think of all the other teams that have won cups over the last uh, hell, even say twenty years. You know, now one year Chicago did it, and and I don't think they had any of one of their players hit eighty points, but um, in one of their championship years here. But the last St. Louis Blues player to hit eighty points was Pavel Dimitra. Wow. I know. Like, like, like when you think of it like that, you're going, yeah, I, you basically say that. You say, wow. <laughs> wow. Well, that's a long you know, time like, ago, like, Curse. Well, think about that. And that was when he was on a line, I believe, with Keith Kachuk and Scott Melanie. Yeah, it was. You know, like, so when you think of the St. Louis Blues, you know, and, and okay, here, here's another one. The last 40 goal score for the St. Louis Blues. Brad Boys. Oh my god, that's right too. Boys. He, he, had, he, had <laughs> he had seventy-six. Like like think about that. and that was that was when the team was really no good between that, you know, two thousand five and, and two thousand nine times. So Yeah, I was um, here in two thousand six. So thanks enough, for that curve. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. We're, we're honest, right? Yeah, no, I come on. I'm with you. I said the same thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, but but so like it's it's interesting when you think about a player like Patrick Kane and what he continues to do, where he seems to score his jersey number every single year. Um, it's just a, 
it really is something quite phenomenal of a player. And uh, look, unlike, unlike I know some Red Sox fans, my father-in-law, that to this day will give Derek Jeter no credit whatsoever. Well, I'm, I'm not quite that way. I don't have to. I don't have to like uh, like the Blackhawks, but I can certainly appreciate the amazing skill of the player. Well, Curves, we can certainly appreciate the amazing skill of a voice of the Blues that you are. We always appreciate the time here on 101 ESPN, man. All the best to you and your family. We'll talk with you again next week, all right? All right, guys. Uh, listen, get that one trending. See if you can get them here for us by December. That'd be awesome. I'm on it. I'll, I'll put in a call, a call to Army. I'll let him know that I've got the offer ready to go for him. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Have a great day, guys. Absolutely. Same to you. That is Chris Kerber joining us here on 101 ESPN. Appreciate him um, partaking in our ridiculousness, Jamie. Yes, I was worried for you at one point because I'm like, oh, my BK. He only partook in it because I told him Rivs will give him $100. So Venmo him after this, Rivs. Well, we'll just expense it. Tommy said I could start doing that around here. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's 124, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for Are We Sure? Are We Sure? That Odell Beckham Jr. knows what the hell he's talking about. We'll explain coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line for Are We Sure? Guys, are we sure Odell Beckham is totally there mentally right now? Oh, man. OBJ just worries me in the last couple of years. So if you missed it in Ferrario's SportsCenter update, Odell Beckham said, quote, (laughs) not in an arrogant way. I just don't think COVID can get to me. I don't think it's going to get into this body. I don't want no parts of it. It don't want no parts of me. It's a mutual respect. End quote. We sure Odell Beckham is totally there right now? (sighs) No, we're not sure. This guy, like, think about it. Go back. Let's just go back. We already talked about the LSU, you know, getting in trouble for their their booster club Mm -hmm. guy. But OBJ's in the locker room after, you know, making it rain with $100 bills. (laughs) On the field. Smacking people in the behind and causing problems. And then, of course, um... We've had some crappy incidents along the way where he's had some past romantic involvement and that just kind of got weird overall. And now he has a deal with COVID, a mutual respect deal. Yeah, mutual respect. That's my favorite part. Here's what I'm wondering at this point. Okay. Was he joking when he said this? No. He had to have been. Did no. the reporter take it the wrong way? No chance. Guys, help help me help OBJ. No, the reporter asked, "Do you were you concerned about having COVID when yep. you missed yep. practice but last I week? I say some really stupid stuff, too, sometimes. No, and it's, no. No, you don't. Everything you say is genius. <laughs> Thank you very little. Now, I do say in jest sometimes, and I look the other way and wink at somebody. I'm, I'm hoping, guys... No, no. No? Okay. Sorry. I tried. OBJ, I tried, buddy. If COVID could get The Rock, it could get anybody. COVID got Tom Hanks. There's no mutual respect. Come on now. It did go after Tom Hanks. You don't go after Tom Hanks. The Rock Rock is like, once he got it, I was like, okay, this is real. That guy's a mutant, too. (laughs) That was follow that guy on Instagram. He's a mutant. If OBJ is saying COVID doesn't want this body, but it took The Rock's body, come on, buddy. You're well, maybe, in trouble. It, maybe it did pass up OBJ for the That's rock. Good point. I take good point. the rocks, but so maybe I, I just have trouble finding the road. dress shirts. I just defended expensive. OBJ. You what? I just defended OBJ. How? I just did. Nice. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for Are We Sure, guys? Are we sure Ryan Fitzpatrick is okay? 
No, he's not. Have you seen these quotes coming out of Miami after he was replaced by Tua Tungavailoa? I just read about it in the break, and I was like, ooh, this isn't good. So here are a few of the quotes. Ryan Fitzpatrick met with the media earlier today talking about his reaction to getting benched. He said, quote, I was shocked by it. It definitely caught me off guard. It was a really hard thing for me to hear yesterday, just digesting this news. My heart hurt all day. He continued, I've been a starter. I've been benched all kinds of different ways. But this was kind of the first place other than Buffalo that I've been fully committed and invested in. I felt like this was my team. More. I basically got fired yesterday, and my day today consisted of Zoom meetings with the guy who fired me and sitting in a room with the guy who replaced me for four hours. He says he has no idea about next season and that he didn't go in there and demand a trade or anything, speaking of the idea of potentially uh, requesting a trade. This does not sound like a guy who's thrilled about the fact that he was replaced. And this goes back to what we were saying about the move yesterday, Jamie, when it was announced that Tua was going to take over. It's stunning because there was no real need to do this. I saw yesterday on ESPN, there was an analyst that's picking the uh, the Dolphins rather to win the AFC East. And he did so under the understanding that at crazy. the time that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be their starter. Like, They've played pretty well this year. I I wouldn't go that far. I don't think they're going to win the AFC East, whoever the starting quarterback is. But they've they've been good enough. And if you continue getting this out of Ryan Fitzpatrick, it wouldn't have been crazy to give him a red shirt year. Jamie, are we sure that Ryan Fitzpatrick is okay with getting benched right now? Well, he's not. Obviously, he's not okay with it. But here's the thing, okay? I've been in this situation. Heck, I've had teams in the NHL literally room me with the guy who's taking my job telling me you need to work with this kid and make sure that he becomes a pro and a good teammate and is, you know, working out and doing his stuff. And I know the kid's taking my job. Like, the next year I'm not getting a contract. It sucks. However, I knew that. My role was that at the end of my career was getting the next guy prepared and doing whatever it took for the team. Fitzpatrick there, Fitzmagic, my buddy, you had to know this was your role. Like you had to. Like you haven't had a relevant role, like you said, since Buffalo. But since then, you've been a stopgap for teams. You've been that consummate warrior that shows up week in and week out and battles and gives your team a chance to win in games that maybe you shouldn't, that your teammates look up to as far as leadership. But in no way, shape, or form is he the guy of the future. Tua is. And if that's the case, and they're playing well right now, and people say, well, yeah, they're playing well. Exactly. If you're playing well, get a kid in there so now he has the opportunity of jumping on board this ship that's going good right now. Sorry, Fitzpatrick, you're the stopgap. And next year, I predict he ends up on a team where they draft Trevor Lawrence. And he's the guy that's there to help out. If I was him, I would embrace this and become that guy for the next five years, wherever it is. Yeah, get paid to be the backup. Yeah. I'm okay with you it. You don't think teams are going to pay him back for this? Watch. He'll be a coach on some team if he wants to be later on. Because of his approach, isn't it? ability to do this. <laughs> I mean, well, the isn't difference it? is Alex Smith got the full year. He he was the, the full year starter whenever Mahomes was sitting behind him that season. I thought that's what they were going to do with Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I, I mean, but if you're Fitzpatrick, I mean, you, you saw this coming, like you mentioned. When you drafted two, to. you knew this was going to be the case. The part that is, and I would make the argument, he's won games for you. Like, Fitzpatrick has been the reason why they've 
they're in this position right now. So if I'm him, I'm thinking, well, can't you wait until I lose a couple games before you put the kid in? But No, because then the, the pressure yeah. turns in a different direction. Because then you're putting the pressure on him. Okay, kid, turn the team around. Whereas now, But isn't the pressure still on him, though, as a young guy? Keep this going? Yeah, but they're playing good, so the confidence is high. The offense is clicking. They've put up some pretty good points this year. Yeah. Not like earth-shaking points, but they've done a pretty good job. Heck, they hung, what, 40-something on the 49ers? So either that way, offense, you're gambling, though. You're gambling, but two is the future. Yeah. And who knows what's been going on in practice? Maybe Tua in practice is like absolutely lights out. And they're looking at it going, we could just drop this guy in there a bye week, an extra week to get more reps as a starter. I think it was inevitable. And guys. if you're Fitzpatrick, like, didn't you see this coming when he took those last couple of st- snaps against the Jets? Like, well, how he's about not going to get in there. Did you not see it coming well, then? Yeah, that's obvious. I think the difference is, and this is what I would guess led to him being so surprised by this. He's playing so well. Like Fitzpatrick is playing so incredibly well this year that he probably felt like, based on the way that his teammates love him, the way that he has played so I far. Love him. Hey, I deserve to get this opportunity. I'm going to get the Alex Smith treatment. If I continue balling out here, I'm going to get the opportunity to keep playing. And Tua will be the answer next year. Because you're right. Tua is the future. Mm -hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick was absolutely not the future in Miami. Tua is. And that's why they drafted him. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick thought he was the present, though. He thought he was the right now starter, and clearly he was wrong. It's a ballsy decision by Brian Flores. I love the decision. I think it was inevitable anyways you do it. And I'm sorry to fits magic, but you have to realize what your role is in all of this. And the biggest mistake a veteran guy can make who is a team guy, gutsy guy, is thinking you're more than you actually are. Heck, I did it too. At some point, I was like, oh, I'm a top four defenseman now. No, you're not. We're not even resigning you. And it just, it stings. So then you got to figure out, yeah, okay, now I know what I truly am. 65780 is the air comfort service X line for Are We Sure? Guys, are we sure that the changes that Major League Baseball is implementing are actually having the effect that baseball wanted them to? Here's why I'm asking this. The average time of a nine-inning Major League Baseball game this year was three hours and seven minutes. That is up from a year ago when it was three hours and five minutes. Guys, are we sure that the changes that baseball is implementing is actually making these games move quicker? What changes would have sped up the game? Well, they were hoping that going to the three batter minimum, the pitch clock that they have. They don't have a pitch clock. They're... They're technically supposed to be under, like, what is yeah. it, 25 seconds or whatever. Yeah, well, some of these guys didn't get the memo. Well, and the mound visits. They take, you only give a certain amount of mound visits. So. And the batters are supposed to stay in the box at all times. Well, that doesn't happen. Yeah. So right. I don't know what changes they had. I Honestly, I look at it, and it's the same product it's always been as far as what the players are doing. Well, let's be the honest. three batter minimum, okay, fine. Well, let's be honest here, though. You can't dictate what pitchers are doing on the mound when you see a couple of guys rock back and forth like Mike Clevenger, who's rocking back and forth for 15 seconds before he even winds up. You can't dictate that. You can't dictate how many throws over to first a pitcher is going to do in a game. That's what's going to slow the game down regardless. Yeah, but it, I, it, I'm not a fan of some of the pitchers they just ugh. everyone needs to pitch like kk well but seriously the other thing i totally agree the other thing is it's not about that it's never been about that it's about the action there's not enough action in the game it's homers it's walks and it's strikeouts and when you have more walks and more strikeouts those are longer at bats you have more pitches that are thrown in those at bats teams that philosophically are driving up the pitch count oh just Card- saying the cardinal way 
that's how you get these longer games. And so you have these games where it feels like there's nothing that is happening and yet they take three and a half hours to be played because you had 17 walks and 20 strikeouts and you use 17 pitchers in the game. 18 throws to first, four mound visits, and a partridge (laughs) in a pear tree. My answer is no. This is not the way that we need to go. The commissioner is all out of whack on what he's trying to fix here. He's fixing the wrong problem. The problem is your sport doesn't have any damn action well, on the field. And his defense, he's damage control for Jeff Luno. <laughs> okay. That's 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. 618, you are uh, someone after my heart here. In order to speed up the game, limit the number of times batters can redo <laughs> their gloves. Take it down from 25 to, I don't know, like twice of that bat. I couldn't agree more. These guys, how many times do your gloves get that messed up? When the pitch comes through, you don't swing, and then you have to readjust your gloves four times? And is it necessary to pick up dirt every time uh. a pitch is thrown? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618. Could the DH in both leagues also affect the average game time this season? Maybe. The problem is it also should have affected the batting average. You would have expected that there would have been a higher batting average this year than there were in previous seasons. You know what happened? It's the lowest batting average recorded. <laughs> like it, it actually somehow got worse in baseball this year with batting average. So I... I don't understand what I we do understand what's happening. And, and it's another not one good, here from the five seven three. Stop the shift. That will be. I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. It might make more action because there'll be yeah. more balls in play. But I don't think it speeds the game up. Maybe not. Um. And, and the other thing is like, if you want to beat the shift, then start hitting the other beat way. The what? Beat the shift. Okay. Thank you. Then then start hitting the <laughs> other way. Lay down the bunt like the Jamie bunt! has been saying. Like they, there's ways to beat it. I'm going to draft a player. And once you do it, they'll stop doing it. Again. All he's going to do is bunt. The first year in, he, I'm, we're going to make him pull everything. Don't you dare think about going the other way. And then for the rest of your career, when the shift is on, we're laying down that bunt. Watch this guy. He's going to be over 300 batting average. Last one, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line from the 314, <laughs> rather. Are we sure, after hearing John Mosaloc's excuse on why he traded Randy Rosarena, that the real reason was not because of the video. Guys, are we sure that the Cardinals traded Randy Rosarena because of the video after hearing that explanation last night on Fox? Look, I think all of it thrown into the pot together equals why Randy Rosarena was traded. Uh, The fact that they compared him to O'Neal and Bader, Bader being kind of a loose, very loose comparison. O'Neal, certainly more direct comparable uh, I think that they did see value in Tyler O'Neill, and then the video coming in at the end, and then there was somebody that brought up a language barrier. Not too long ago, I was listening to one of the radio shows, and they said, well, there's a bit of a language barrier, and they had more players that were able to communicate with him in Tampa. No way. Hey, look, I don't know. I've been in that locker room. they got plenty of guys yeah. who, who speak Randy Rosarena's language. Enough this year? Spanish. Yeah. Huh? There, there are a bunch of, yeah. like... There's a bunch they of guys pl- that speak Spanish. I didn't, plenty I didn't of guys. invent it. That's what I heard. Yeah. I think you invented I heard. I just saw you read the text and say that. No, it wasn't a text. It, it was, was somebody I was phone. listening to. It was off of your phone. No, it wasn't. Alex, <laughs> get ready for the next update. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> after hearing that last night, the fact that Mo would say that, and he knows it's going to go public. He knows that when he says that to Ken Rosenthal, that it will be reported that John Mozalock said the reason the Cardinals traded Randy Rosarena was because they viewed him as a similar prospect 
to Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader. When you say that publicly, that seems to be what your actual line of thinking was. Otherwise, why in the world yeah. would you say that publicly? Mo's not making something up just to say, just to get stuff off of his back. 618. Language barrier? Talk to KK then. Yeah, well, you know I, what? I, I can't because he wouldn't I, understand me. He's got an interpreter. I, I, don't, I don't think that was it. I, they, they've got plenty of Spanish-speaking players. I, I think that he I said that. Spanish. I think he said that publicly. No, I can't. Because that's why they traded him. And you can agree or disagree with the explanation. You can think that is better or worse than them trading him because of the video. But I think that's real. I think that really is why they decided to move on Some from guys him. stick around for worse videos than that. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll cross things over next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Jamie's just doing his baby impersonation for us. It's yeah, very uncomfortable. Baby. It's I, very uncomfortable. I used to do that to guys on the Whoa. ice. Yeah, the baby impression. Oh, and okay. they go whining to the ref. Hey, did you see Rivers cross-check me? And I just be like... <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> There's somebody in their car right now that's like, oh my God, is my... Did I leave Becky in the back seat? I left Tina at McDonald's. Just make them even more angry at the time. <laughs> with Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's cross things over with the fast lane. We've got Anthony Stalter, Andy Slater, Andy Dalton. I'm not sure what his name is uh, in studio <laughs> with us. Yeah, Stalter, are you there? You leave Alex. You leave Alex alone. You know, All right. Stalter, I'll tell you what. I was really impressed uh, that you were able to, well, do the fast lane and then start a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Rough night for you, though, bud. You know, that was Andy Dalton. Do you know why it was Andy Dalton? You know how everybody can tell? Because I would have audibled. <laughs> I would have audibled when I saw the Arizona Cardinals were going to blitz me for like the nine, ninth straight play. I don't think my man knows the offense yet. Okay, well, he might not know the offense, and our guy Alex Ferrario may not know who's at quarterback. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Oh, God. hey, I listen. I told this story to BT when we played it at the end of our show the other day. The very first update that actually, I think it was the second update that I ever did. It was in uh, I was working in 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 a, a Detroit radio station. And um, I did. Stoltzer probably not even listening to you, buddy, because they're both they're both crying back here right now. Okay, well, Alex, I'm gonna I'm, I'm just gonna talk to you. Yes, okay, please, buddy. It's Look, it's a one for you, my man. The second the second update I ever did, I had a similar situation where my brain goes, you know what? Now I'm j now I'm just gonna pull one on this yep. guy. I'm I'm gonna stop working. And then I'm going to laugh my ass off. That's basically what my brain did. I had a brain fart, and you just push forward, hey, Alex. And you it know happens what? to all of I us. I powered through Stoltz. I had uh, 10 seconds of that, and then I, I finally got it because Mike Ryder told me the name on air. <laughs> Can we hear it one more time? No, one more time. <laughs> yeah, come on. So far, so good. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, there we go. Brain off. <laughs> Andy Strickland. Oh. <laughs> Uh, the sad part is I cut it there, Stoltz, because it went on for another five more. seconds. Oh, yeah. My man looked like it, the wires, like someone forgot to charge the battery. Yeah, Poor guy, Stoltz. Yeah. That was the guy who fell off the ship. He was in the water. He saw the rescue boat go by, waving his arms in the air. Someone help. 
<laughs> and then it just kept going by. The funny thing is, like, I've been there, and that's why it's funny. It's because oh, I can feel the pain yeah. exuding off of uh, Anthony Al- uh, Ferrario. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stoltz, do you remember when I first came on and I started doing live reads? I do. The, yes. dude, the, the machine would seize up for those. <laughs> It was a train wreck. So when that happened to our boy Ferrario, I was like, (laughs) 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 that one hurts. The best or worst, I'm not sure, part of it is that he immediately went to Stalter. Like, it was Andy, I'm not sure. It's because people called him Andy Stalter, right? Right. Andy Slater. That's the name that we've called Anthony in studio. But what happened right before this update, we were checking the the connection to make sure that Anthony was good for the remote. So I'm talking to Stalter like, hey, buddy, you good? Okay, yeah, great. They are Anthony Stalter you, right you into good. the update. And I'm like, oh, Anthony, Andy. Uh, uh, uh. Of course. It's all right, Ferrario. Yeah. This is why we love you, okay? The world you know is not what? perfect, and we love you for it. Jamie Jamie knows this all too well. I, I've never seen Jamie do this, but I, I would put my $2 of life savings that he has. Jamie, you have probably looked at one of your kids, one of your four kids, oh. and called them by the wrong name. Stalter, I mean, it happens you, every single day. Oh, they yeah. get mad at it's, me. They're like, it's why incredible. Do you this name here? Because it just happens. I'll be look. I'll be looking at Madeline sometimes. I'll be like, Killian, stop, uh, Madeline. My name's not Killian. I'm not even a. I'm not even a boy, Daddy. <laughs> okay, all right. It's I didn't mean so to call true. you. Know? I had a moment. Yeah. Yesterday, where Kara, she's got a friend coming into town, right? No, you didn't call her wrong. No, 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 no. But I I totally blanked. I totally blanked on the friend's name. Like I knew exactly who it was. I know, like she's one of our good friends. And I was like, I, who is it? Who's coming to town? And she's like, I'm not telling you. I didn't even have it that close. There's a whole waggle in that one, too. It was like, for whatever reason, you mentioned how the batteries weren't charged. My batteries weren't charged. And I was like, what is her name again? Uh, so we've all been there, guys, man. We've I all called, been there. I called Lou Brock Bob Gibson to his face in an entire interview and didn't get corrected until the end of it. That was more embarrassing than that moment for me. Oh, no. Really? Yeah, that was, that was bad. That was bad. Well, Stoltz, what's coming up on the fast lane today, bud? <laughs> no transition there. Well, I'm going to... I'm going to break down the Cowboys' offense since I'll be uh, starting for them on uh, ne- next week. Apparently, once all the Cowboys basically leave Dallas. No, I, I think BT and I are going to talk. No, Ron's again today. No, me today. So BT and I are going to talk about why are the Red Sox getting off easy when it comes to Mookie Betts? Like Randy, wait, the Cardinals trade Randy Rosarina and and they become an internet meme. Mm-hmm. But the dot, they, the Red Sox just gave away. The, probably the World Series MVP for Alex Verdugo. I mean, so well, that's ridiculous. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. Talk about the World Series, and then I heard you guys talking about this too. We got to get into it. Ken Rosenthal's report mm-hmm. about John Mozeliak and Randy Rosarina. My question would be this: Does that trade become just just as much about Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill as it does Matthew Libator? That's a really good question. Ooh, I'll be listening to that. Take. And then we will talk about that and react to what you guys have to say tomorrow, I would imagine. Looking forward it's, to that. That's coming up from 2 to 6. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 right here on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 
This holiday, whether you're making a Kroger Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Kroger has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Kroger, fresh for everyone.